Hi, my name's Andrew Chamberlain. I'm a writer and creative writing tutor, and you are listening to the Creative Writers Tool Belt, the podcast that gives you practical, accessible advice that you can apply straight away to your own writing. I want to start this episode by mentioning again that I will be speaking at the Lakes Writers Course in November, in a couple of weeks' time, in the wonderful setting of Oldswards in Cumbria in the United Kingdom. Uh, the course runs from Monday the 17th to Friday the 21st of November and features writers, storytellers, and editors sharing their wisdom on the subject of storytelling for both fiction and memoir. For details, you can contact me at www.andrewjchamberlain.com. Drop me an email at andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. So, in the last episode, we embarked on a quest to review the fundamental dimensions of story, building from the ground up. So, where do we start? Well, during the week, I had a comment on the podcast feed from Mike Ashenfelder. Mike, I hope I've pronounced your surname correctly. Mike was asking me if I could do an episode on the fundamentals of plot. Well, by happy coincidence, Mike, plot is exactly where I'm going to start with this series. So, in honour of your well-timed suggestion, I've called this episode the fundamentals of plot. But I want to acknowledge that I could have started with character, or maybe even setting, and that these dimensions of story, especially character and plot, are deeply linked together, can grow together and have a significant impact on each other. But we'll start with plot, and there are several requirements for creating a really good plot. I'm going to present just three of them today, and we'll move on to others in a future episode. But the ones I want to cover today are, one, that your plot has to have shape, two, that your plot has to have an engine, and three, that your plot has to avoid cliches. So let's examine each of those in turn. One, it has to have shape. By shape, I mean the overall outline of your story. You should be able to write your story down in about 50 words, and for it to make some sense and feel like a believable chain of events in that summary. For example, suppose you wanted to summarise The Lord of the Rings in 50 words. You could say something like this. Bilbo the Hobbit finds a ring and passes it to his cousin Frodo. Their friend Gandalf the wizard says it belongs to an evil lord and must be destroyed. Frodo takes the ring and, accompanied by various friends, journeys to a volcano where it ends up in the lava and it is destroyed. Yes, of course, that's a travesty of the story, but it tells you very roughly what's going on, the most basic elements, including what the story is about and why it happens. So these sorts of summaries should cover the whole of the story more or less evenly, and it should help you to see whether you actually have a story. So in your manuscript, present the shape of your story early on if you can. Present us with what the book will be about, as Jane Austen does, for example, in this wonderful first line from Pride and Prejudice, which, of course, is... It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. And that wonderful summary gives us a good understanding of what the whole book is going to be about. Or maybe you can present us with your protagonist and tell us something about who they are and what's important to them. So, for example, in J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye, this is how the story starts. If you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and and all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't feel like going into it if you want to know the truth. In the first place, that stuff bores me. And in the second place, my parents would have two hemorrhages apiece if I told anything pretty personal about them. They're quite touchy about anything like that, especially my father. They're nice and all, I'm not saying that, but they're also touchy as hell. Besides, I'm not going to tell you my whole goddamn autobiography or anything. So in those first few sentences, the author gives us a pretty good idea of who the character is, as he, the character, tells us what he's not going to talk about. Now maybe you can give us the plot and something about the characters in the first line, as Stephen King does brilliantly in the first line of the first book in his Dark Tower series, which is The Gunslinger. This is that first line. 
The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. And those 12 words pretty much sum up what the rest of the book is about. So writing your plot in 50 or 100 or 300 words should give you a pretty good understanding of what kind of story you've got. And it will tease out some of the weaknesses and inconsistencies in it. It will show you what your plot is about and where it's going. So the second thing your plot has to have is an engine, by which I mean it has to have a set of circumstances and people that make stuff happen. The power of that engine is determined by the tension between the forces driving the protagonist towards their objective and the forces standing in their way. In his book How to Write, Harry Bingham talks about the triangulation of these three forces. He calls them landmarks. The protagonist, the objective and the obstacles. And the engine of the story is a function of how these three factors move and change in relation to each other. The Lord of the Rings, for example, would not work as a story if destroying the ring was a kind of optional extra quest that may or may not help in the overall battle against Sauron. No, it's essential that the ring is destroyed and Frodo is absolutely determined to destroy it and Sauron and all his forces are absolutely determined to stop him from doing that. The third thing that your plot has to have is, in a sense, what it shouldn't have and that's cliches. Cliches are your enemy. Really, they are. They can come in the form of little phrases which alienate your reader and can throw them out of the story, or they can come in the form of plot and story ideas. Clichés were once phrases that were very potent and very apt for what they were trying to say, but they became a victim of their own success. They were so useful that they get used again and again and again to the point where they lose their power and people just get sick of them. Any cliché, however successful it is to start with, will suffer eventually with overuse and become corrupted, so that instead of giving meaning quickly and efficiently to your reader, if you use it in your writing, it simply pushes them out of the story and makes them react with the thought like, not that old phrase again. Now I'm talking about plot at the moment rather than dialogue or style, but I will just throw in some cliches that your characters need to avoid like the plague. Well the first one is the one I've just used, don't say avoid like the plague. Don't say things like, take the bull by the horns, low hanging fruit, pushing the envelope, you know what I mean? Think outside the box. We've already mentioned that one. At the end of the day, in the final analysis, the thing is, plenty of fish in the sea, every dog has its day, and so on. When you see that sort of thing, if you find you've written that, it's time for an edit. Now, in terms of plot, the issue with cliches is they can come up in the form of plot ideas and plot elements which originally, when they were first used, were potent and interesting and vibrant. But because they've come up so many times, people are bored with them. For example, these sorts of plot ideas... Boy Wizard attends wizarding school. After the Harry Potter phenomenon, publishers were inundated with stories about boy wizards, but it was too late. It had already been done. They didn't want the same story again. Another example, the it was all a dream approach, in which an awkward plot issue is blown away by revealing that some of what's happened so far was in a dream and in fact didn't happen. Don't go there. The TV series Dallas did it once, embarrassingly, and totally killed off the idea for anyone else. Another one, mad scientist threatens to blow up the world. Well, leave that to the vintage James Bond films. How about aliens visiting us? Well, you'll have to be really good to get an original twist on that. And maybe you can, but probably you'll find it's already been done with War of the Worlds, or E.T., or K-Pax, or any one of a number of other stories. These kinds of cliched plots make the reader think that they know exactly what's coming. And maybe they do. And if the reader thinks they know what you're going to write, then you've bored them already, and they will walk away from your story. So, if you think you're copying something you've heard before, you probably are, and don't do it.
So let's now turn to a practical example. In the last episode, I promised we'd build a story from the ground up, and we're going to start that now. So I'm going to try and illustrate all of the points I've just made by giving you an example of a plot that we can start to develop over the next few episodes. So here's a short summary of version one of my plot. Our story is set in a small rural community where old man Herb McTavish has farmed the land for 50 years, just like his father did and his father before him. Herb is a widower of some 10 years and seems comfortable with his lot. Then, one long hot summer, he has a whirlwind romance with Maribel Rosebury, a single lady less than half his age and from out of town. Even before the harvest is in, Herb and Maribel have scooted off to a drive-by chapel in Vegas for their $100 wedding. A few months pass and winter grips the land. Life gets hard on the farm in the cold weather. Meanwhile, Herb's sons, now grown up and moved away, start to get suspicious. Now that sounds like the start of what might be a reasonable story, but as a plot, it has significant problems. First of all, where's the shape? What is going on here? So we know that an old farmer marries a younger woman. Well, forget for a moment what you think might be happening in that instance. So think about what we know. He marries this younger woman and then the weather gets cold and his sons get suspicious. Well, that begs the question, what are they suspicious of? What's happening? How is the story going to proceed? How is it going to conclude? We just don't know. The problem is that as a summary of the story, this just doesn't really work. It doesn't let us see what's happening. It doesn't let us see the shape of where the story is going. Secondly, where's the engine? What are the farmer's aims and objectives? What does he want out of this? What does she want? What about the sons? What's stopping anyone from reaching their objective? Assuming we know what it is. We are a little bit left saying, well, so what? So what's going on here? Finally, cliche. You might assume that this is a story of an ambitious, money-seeking young woman who latches onto an old guy for his money. Not that we've been told that, but that seems to be the way it's going. The sons are getting suspicious, presumably of this woman and her motives. But if that really is the case, then we have another problem, and it's that this storyline has been done before, many times. So unfortunately, it's a bit of a cliche. So this plot fails on several levels. But we're going to kick it around a bit and see what we can do with it. I'm going to start with the cliche problem first, and I'm going to make the farmer's sons concerned, not for their father, but for his new bride. Let's deal with the engine next. The sons are worried about their father's new bride, and they want to try and resolve those worries, but I'm going to put some obstacles in the way of them doing that. Let's say that they try and contact the couple, but no one answers the phone. Emails are ignored. A neighbour visits, but the old man comes to the door and chases the neighbour away. The sons are going to worry more, and it's time to take action. I'm going to leave dealing with the shape of the plot for now, because we haven't finished working on this plot and we haven't finished working out what the end is like. But I've now got a slightly refined version. So here's the story again. Our story is set in the small rural community where old man Herb McTavish has farmed the land for 50 years, just like his father and his father before him. Herb is a widower of some 10 years and seems comfortable with his lot. Then, one long hot summer, he has a whirlwind romance with Maribel Rosebury, a single young lady of less than half his age from out of town. Even before the harvest is in, Herb and Maribel have scooted off to a drive-by chapel in Vegas for a $100 wedding. A few months pass by and winter grips the land. Life gets hard on the farm in cold winter. Meanwhile, Herb's sons, now grown up and moved away, start to worry for the fate of their father's new bride. They know what's happened before. They talk about it still between themselves when they get a chance. With their father on his own, they thought it wasn't a problem they'd have to deal with again. They call and they email and they send a neighbour round. They get no response and the neighbour is chased away. Maybe it's starting all over again. They decide it's time to visit the farm for themselves. So now we've got a story with a bit of a twist. We've got a story with an engine. The sons want something. The farmer seems to want something. Maybe Maribel wants something. So we'll stop there for now. 
If you have any ideas about how we might develop this plot, please do drop me a line. And we'll see what kind of shape we can develop for this story. You can contact me via the Creative Writers Toolbelt group on Goodreads. So go to goodreads.com and just look up Creative Writers Toolbelt there. Or drop me an email. It's andrew at andrewjchamberlain.com. So can I suggest that you go back to the plot of whatever you're working on and ask yourself the three questions that we've dealt with today. Does your plot have shape? Can you see what that shape is if you write your plot out in 50 or 100 words? Does your plot have an engine? Does your protagonist want something desperately enough? Is there enough of an obstacle in the way? And is the prize big enough? And are you suffering from cliché? Does it look as if this plot has been done before in some way? Is it going to turn readers off because they think they've seen it before? So I hope that's been helpful to you. In this episode, I have referred to the following works. The Writer's and Artist's Guide to How to Write by Harry Bingham, published by Bloomsbury. Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen, which is in the public domain. The Catch in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, published by Penguin. And The Gunslinger, which is the first book in the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, published by Hodder. Please do send me any ideas you have for how to continue this story. I'll discuss them the next time we talk about the plot, which will be in two episodes time, because the next episode of the Creative Writers Toolbelt is going to be an interview with former Disney animator Claire Keane. I had a great conversation with Claire a couple of weeks ago about character development and story and integrity in story, and I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you in a couple of weeks' time on the 15th of November. I'll be back with more about plot a couple of weeks after that. In the meantime... Do get in touch if you want to. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Writer's Toolbelt. My thanks as ever to the guys from Podcast Themes for providing the music. Thank you to you for listening. Until next time, goodbye.